let you, uh, if you would, stand this morning, if you're able to, one verse this morning, Psalm 33, Psalm 33, and we're also going to be for the portion of our message in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 this morning, and so if you want to turn there and hold your place, 2 Chronicles 15. You know, the Bible has much to say about the blessings of a nation and uh, those blessings that a nation can enjoy. And here's the verse that Brother Chris, and it's kind of interesting, Brother Chris picks the verse every week, and we don't a lot of times talk about it, whatever the Lord lays on his heart or leads him to. And, of course, I study for messages, and Brother Chris came to me and said, hey, did you know that you, you're going to preach on the same verse that I picked this morning? And I said, I didn't know that. And I said, undoubtedly the Lord did. And so this morning, you've already said this verse. Let's say it together again here. Psalm 33, 12, begin now. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people chosen for his own inheritance. Lord, bless the message this morning. Pray that you'd speak to hearts. Thank you again for the word of God. Lord, be with our land, but this morning, meet with us individually. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. When I think about a nation, our nation, certainly I think that our nation is a nation in need of God's blessings. All of the nations that have ever been established, I think of, as I've mentioned many times, I believe the United States is the greatest nation to ever grace the face of this earth. It's so amazing how so many nations want to be like America. So many people want to come to America. When you look back historically in the beginning of this nation, you find that our leaders of our country, they were men who were thinking men. They were deep thinking men. If you read the founding documents of this nation, you'll, you'll discover as you read those, and, and some of it's pretty heavy reading, but you find that we have few, if any, who think as deeply as men like Franklin, Jefferson, Adams, and even Hancock. These men were deep thinkers, but one thing you'll find as you study about these men is they were not only were deep thinkers, but they were deep believers in God. They really believed in God. They trusted God's Word. Many today would try their best and are trying their best to cover up the truth of the spiritual roots of our nation. They act as if there never was a spiritual foundation to the United States of America. Can I tell you that our forefathers came to America to have and to offer religious freedom to all that believe. Their beliefs were deep enough to even place their own lives at stake. They put their livelihoods, even their own families, at stake. They gave themselves to principles. They gave themselves to ethics, to morals, to beliefs that they, they believed that to succeed as a people, as a land, that God was going to have to bless them. They believed that with all their heart. <clears throat> they believed that they needed God's hand to guide them. 
They needed uh, God to work in their life if there ever was to be the future of this nation. I was thinking as dates go by in just a few days that our nation as a country, we will celebrate 242 years of independence from the King of England. When those signers of that great document, the Declaration of Independence, when those 56 men signed that document, they knew the risk. They knew what would happen if they signed their name on that document. But in spite of the fact that they knew the situation, they also knew the need of this land. And folks, it doesn't take much to look around and still discover that we are still a land in great need. We have a great need today like we did back in that day. See, today those spiritual foundations that I've spoken about have been removed and moved. They've been uprooted and some have even been demolished by our, the leaders of our land that do not see the importance of our Christian heritage. They do not see the importance of our Christian values. Our nation now leads in violence in immorality and in wickedness. If something does not change, God is either going to have to judge the United States of America or he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, we are a nation in need. And as we come this morning and into the Word of God in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, there's a story that unfolds here. God gives us a the, the, the look here this morning of, of, of a good king, a godly king who was king of Judah. He was a descendant of King David, and his name was Asa. You see, the Bible says back in chapter 14, in verse number 2, that Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Because he chose to do what was good and what was right in the eyes of the Lord, the Bible tells us that because of Asa's stand, that the land had rest, there was peace for 10 years. That tells me that Asa took a good nation, now listen, and he made it better. You see, America has not been getting better America has been getting worse. You see, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And what you and I need to realize is that we need to, like Asa did in his day, is to realize the blessings that we have received from God. And to say, God, we acknowledge what you have done. How you have blessed us. And God, we want this land, we want to be a people that is blessed by God. And that's exactly what Asa did, is that Asa took a good nation and made it better. He saw the needs that were there in his day, and he gave leadership. He provided leadership to the people. Look what the Bible says if you have your Bible there, the Second Chronicles chapter 15 Beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, The Spirit of God came, up, came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, 
and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you, but if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when, uh, when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all their adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of, out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of uh, Simeon, for they fell, uh, fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered together themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire that he was, uh, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. It's an amazing passage here this morning that I wish America would get a hold of. I wish our politicians that are so consumed with what they can get in this world instead of realizing the importance of God's hand of blessing being upon our nation as God had blessed his people in times past. And so this morning I want you to see that there was a tremendous ending to the, the portion that we read this morning is how you see this ending where the Bible says the Lord gave them rest on every side. That's a good thing, that God blessed, that God gave rest to them. Now, how did this happen? They were blessed of God, just like I've said in, in the message this morning, that we too were blessed of God in the early days, and Judah and Benjamin and many others we're blessed in the days of Asa, but listen, instead of being blessed today, we are a nation that needs God's blessing. And I want you to see this morning that as just as Asa dealt with it in his day, may you and I see, first of all, that when we do not have a heart and a desire for the things of God, 
But notice if there's ever going to be the blessings. They First of all, we see the condition of God's blessings. Look at the conditions that are stated here in the passage this morning as we see the conditions that God gives. And yes, God does give us conditions if we are to be a blessed people. Notice back in verse 1, the Bible says again, it mentions Azariah the prophet. And the Bible says in verse 2 that he went out and he met Asa. And here's what he says to him. Hear ye me, Asa. And he begins to give the conditions. Now look at him. First of all, here's what he says. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Now that sounds simple, folks. But many times we are not with the Lord. Our currency in this country says, in God we trust. But I dare say that we are a people, a land, a nation today that are trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in materialism. We're trusting in the almighty dollar when we need to be trusting in the almighty God. And he says here, the very first condition is that when we get with God, God will get with us. Notice what the Bible says in James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now notice the rest of the verse. How does that happen? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God says, look, if you would get with me, then guess what? I will get with you. That is the very first condition, and this morning you are in God's house But the question this morning is, are you with God? If you are with God, then God will get with you. That was the first condition. Look at the second one. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Do you know that God is not playing hide and go seek with anyone this morning? God wants to be found. I don't know why, but my my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, Uh, I love playing games with her and having a good time with her. Listen, if I knew being a grandparent was this good, I would have been a grandparent before I was a parent. It's just an awesome thing. But my granddaughter started doing something kind of interesting. We'll be playing, and then all of a sudden, I'll see her disappear, and she'll go over, and she'll hide behind a couple chairs. And I, you know, being a grandpa, you know, I'll say, has anybody seen Brooklyn? Where's Brooklyn? And I'll just keep, and finally, she'll come out behind those chairs thinking, boy, he was so stupid, he didn't know I was over there behind those chairs. Now, can I tell you that God wants you and I to find him? The question this morning is, are you seeking him? Are you looking for the Lord? You ever wonder why we don't see God's hand in our lives? You ever wonder why we don't see God's hand in our church? You ever wonder why we don't see God's hand in our nation? Can I tell you what Jeremiah said? He says, and ye shall seek me and find me when, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. See, it's one thing to look for God, but it's another to search for him with all your heart. God, I need you today. Our nation needs you today. The first cosmonaut went out into space years ago, and 
as he went up and he gave a testimony, he said, I looked around and I saw God nowhere. That's what he said. Then Alan Shepard went up and Alan Shepard came back and here's what he said. I saw God everywhere. I saw God everywhere. You see, if we seek him, he is available. See, God gives conditions. It wasn't just something for Asa's day. It is something for us today. I want you to see that the condition is the Lord is with you when you're with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But then notice the third condition. Right out of the pages of the word of God, here it is. If you abandon him, then he will allow you to go choose your way. If you abandon God, God's going to allow you to make your choice. Look, folks, it is true that the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said it and he meant it. But understand this morning that God will not leave us, but God will allow us to choose to follow him or choose to forsake him. It's your choice. It's our choice. The Bible says all the way back in Genesis 6, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Psalm 81 and verse 12, So I gave them up under their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Hey, read the book of Romans chapter 1. The Bible says that God, who wants to be their God, was trying to help man, but the Bible says that man was more interested in something other than God. And the Bible says that after God reached out to man many times, that God gave them up. You see, understand this morning that there are conditions if you want to be blessed of God, listen, we see the text this morning that it is applying to the nation of Israel, to those in Judah and those in Benjamin and others in the outlying areas. But understand this morning, I believe that this is applicable for the United States of America. I believe it's applicable for the church. And when we say the church this morning, we're talking about the saints of God that God wants every one of us to understand that if you want God's blessings on your life, then you've got to meet God's conditions. And if you don't meet those conditions, then guess what? There's always consequences. And what are the consequences when we don't have God's blessing? Well, I want you to look back in the passage because it shares with us these consequences. And folks, listen, the consequences, they are very clear. And they are very costly. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Romans? For the wages of sin is death. There's always a price tag on sin. See, the same is true in America today that we see in Asa's day. Look at the Bible says in verse number three, as we think about the consequences, the Bible says, for a long time Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. You see, what I'm seeing, just like today in America, is I'm seeing a land 
that was filled with chaos. A land that was filled with chaos. When there's no teaching priest, there's no law. And when no one is teaching right from wrong, and no one is promoting the laws of the land, guess what happens? Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. You see, that lawlessness is what's come to our land. It was in Asa's day too. And when this happens, when there is chaos, there's no one teaching right from wrong, then what you're going to see is confusion. You're going to see chaos. In America today, people are confused about most foundational issues. No one really knows what is right and what is wrong. People say to me all the time, well, that's what you believe. Folks, listen, it's either right or it's wrong. God's word is absolute. God's word never changes. Just like the God that gave us to gave the word to us, God said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word doesn't change. This whole world around us might change, but the principles and the teachings and the doctrines of the word of God, they never change. And you see that when you remove God from uh, this land, as in Asa's day, there was no God, there was no teaching priest, there was no law. Listen, guess what? Without all that, there is no blessings from God. You see, I see a land filled with chaos, but I also see a land that was filled with conflict. Look at verse number five of our chapter. It says, in those times there was no peace to him that went out, or to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the country. You see, that's what Judah was like in Asa's day. There was no peace. Today, conflict rages from the house to the schoolhouse to the White House. There is conflict everywhere. This past week, you probably saw on the news, someone went into a news, uh, 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 newspaper uh, the thing in Annapolis and just started shooting five people's lives were taken. Every week you see that on the news. Someone is out of control. There's conflict. And I believe a lot of this can be traced back to when our nation, this land that I love so much, when they began to remove God from our school and they began to remove God from our government and they began to remove God from other public places, somebody said, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus no peace. But in Asa's day, there was no peace. It's an amazing day. So many people today are afraid to go out of their homes. I know people, I'm not kidding. I know people that are afraid to go out and get their mail out of their mailbox. There's no peace. Turmoil everywhere. Conflict. Chaos. Say, why do we have this? Because we haven't met the conditions of God. And because we don't meet those conditions, there's the consequences. There's the price tag. Notice I not only see a land filled with chaos and conflict, but then I also see in verse number 6 a land filled with corruption. Look at the Bible says in verse 6, And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them, with all 
Look at the word, adversity. That's an amazing thing going on here. The corruption that comes when there's no God. This is the direct result that will devastate a nation. Without God, there is no, uh, no, nothing really honestly to pass along to the next generation except for what? Everything that's already been going on and who knows where it's going to go to. Now, it's an interesting thought. Maybe there's a deeper theologian in the room this morning and maybe you can come help me out with this. But when I study the Word of God, I can find clear teaching about some nations that are on the face of this earth right now. And they may not have the exact same name as they have in the Bible, but those nations are identified in the Word of God in the days ahead, in the coming days ahead, and what's going to unfold in the future. But you know what I can't find? I can't find America. I can't find the United States. I can't find any semblance of what would be what we call today America. Now again, I, I, I don't know what to say about that. I, maybe, Like I said, maybe there's something there I'm not seeing. But you know what that tells me, unless I'm missing it, that there may be a day where the United States of America may not be here, where we may be gone. That's what happens to a nation that turns its back on God. That's the consequences of what we see. We look at America today and think about the reality of the United States being without God's blessings. Listen, we're a land today that people, uh, as, as you think about rights, that animals have more protected rights under the law than the unborn humans do in our land. I read an article this week about a man named Richard Allstrand. He lives in Auburn, Massachusetts. He's facing criminal charges because he entered into a conflict with a bear that was in his backyard and he shot and killed the bear because he was about to be mauled and eaten by this bear and he's being sued. Criminal charges are being brought against him. I mean, things are so out of whack today. Children sit in front of TV and video games, and they learn, they learn violence on these video games. And we wonder, what's happening to America? We, 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 we give, parents give these games to their children. You know what those games do? They provide a faulty view of life and death. We live in a vile culture where now we have to register known sex offenders. It's amazing how far we've come. The cost of walking away from God is very high. And we're starting as a, a nation, as a country, to pay that cost. We are a country in need of God's blessings. But we haven't met the conditions. We're dealing right now with the consequences. But can I give you this morning what God is trying to show us, what he did through Asa? That you and I, listen to me, you and I as Americans, you and I as Christians, we can be the conduit of God's blessings. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use our church. God wants to use our nation to turn this world back to God. 
You see, if we are to experience God's blessings once again, we need to learn two things from this text this morning, and I want you to see them before we're done this morning. Notice, first of all, we need, this world needs, godly people. People in Judah in Asa's day, they were grateful that God had given them a leader who provided them leadership. And these people, as you see the passage, that they became godly themselves in their attitudes and in their actions. What did they do? Well, as Asa began to help them understand from God through the prophet Azariah, they recognized their corruption, that they came to God. Listen, I hope you came this morning for the same reason. They came to God to worship Him. And that's always the starting point for a people, for a nation, for a land, is to come to God to worship Him. And while uh, many times people don't want to admit it, corruption exists in every one of us. Isaiah 64, 6, look at it. We are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If we refuse to acknowledge our sinfulness, there will be no change because there is no reason to change. In other words, you talk to people and say, listen, do you believe you're a sinner? Nope, never done anything wrong. Many times you talk to people and they feel like there's no reason to change in their life. And when we do not admit our corruptness, nothing is ever going to happen. But here's the neat part. If we do recognize how corrupt our lives are, who we really are, here's what happens. When we get to that place, God steps in. God steps in. See, they recognized their corruption, and that led them to respond with a covenant. Think about this, and I I spent a little time this week, a, a contract, and a lot of us are used to contracts when we want to have some work done, we want to buy a house, we want to buy a car. They lay a contract in front of you. Now think about this this morning, because a contract is based on law, but a covenant is based on love. A contract is based on property. A covenant is about people. And here's what these people did. They saw the corruptness. Oh, that God would help us. That God would help our nation to see how corrupt we are. That as we recognize that, that we would want to enter into a covenant with God. That we would say, God, we're tired of living in this cesspool of sin in this wicked land that we're in, and we want to do something about it, and we realize that this covenant is something that is based on love, that it is about us, and it is about you, and they recognize and realize that, and look, they realize that what they were doing was impacting not only their family, but it was impacting the futures of everyone. So what did they do? They responded to God in the form of a covenant. I want you to look at it. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, they entered into a covenant. Now notice, look at it again, to seek, here's the covenant, to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. God, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of America being the way it is. 
And so this covenant that they made, it was simple. I'm going to seek the Lord, but they carried it to the next level. They said, I'm going to seek the Lord with all my heart and with all my soul. Now, here's what happens is, is they responded with a covenant that required a commitment. Now, this is where it gets sticky. Because a lot of times I see people saying, look, I'm tired of it. But they're not tired enough to make a commitment. We are living in a day where people are so non-committal. Now, they'll go buy a car, and they'll make a commitment to buy a car, but they will not enter into a relationship with someone else because that requires a commitment. There are so many today, and listen, if you're here this morning, I'm not against you, but can I tell you that God established something called the home, the family. God uh, created man, and he brought the woman unto the man. And, and listen, many times I, I talk to people and I'll say to them, uh, are you husband and wife? Well, no, we're not. Well, why not? Why aren't you married? Do you love each other? Well, sure we do. Especially when I lived in other parts of the country, many people, they, they want to not get married because there's, there's tax breaks, breaks uh, uh, benefits to not getting married because they end up with more money. And a lot of times I think about how things have so changed. Can I tell you this morning, what God's looking for this morning is God's looking for someone to make a commitment to him, to commit yourself to God. Now, I'll tell you how serious they were. And you might think this sounds ridiculous, but we're living in such a different day. I want you to look. Don't take my word for it. Look in your Bible in verse number 13. Look at this commitment that they asked for. The Bible says that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel, now remember, with all their heart, with all their soul, should be put, yeah, did you see the words? You know what that's called in this day and hour? A no tolerance policy. You're either all in or you're not in at all. They're saying, listen, it's time to commit to God. God doesn't want our lip service. Now, you might be sitting here this morning saying, Pastor, I, I don't know if I like this. It, look, don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. Take it up with His Word. But I'm going to tell you this morning, if you want God's blessings on your life, we've got to be a godly people. God wants us to make a commitment to Him. And I see this, this reference here to capital punishment for those who wouldn't seek God. See, that it required a commitment. But look at what I see in verse number 14, how they rejoiced. They rejoiced, these folks did in Judah, in their correction. That's what happens sometimes, is that God shows us the error of our way. And, and we look, you think about how God wants us to turn from our wicked way. And they saw that they were heading in a wrong direction. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. I mean, these folks, they, they rejoiced. They wanted everybody to hear. Why? Because look in verse number 15 how that, that again, they, they rested in their connection that they had made. In verse number 15, the Bible says that God gave them what? Rest. See, they, they rejoice in their 
correction, but then they, they rested in their connection. The Bible says in Psalm 16, thou will show me the path of life. How many of you think God wants you to know which way you should go? How many of you think that? Now look, watch this. Look at the psalmist said. He says, thou will show me the path of life in thy presence. See, the path of life is in the presence of Almighty God. And he says, in thy presence is how much joy? Fullness. You can't get any... You can't get any more joy. You can't be blessed anymore unless you're in the very presence of God. Unless God is with you, he says, at thy right hand there are pleasures for how much? Forevermore. There are pleasures forevermore. So if we're going to see God's blessings, look, God wants to work through. And here's what God needs, what God desires, godly people. But watch this. Look at the second thing, godly leaders. Now, in the passage today, it's Asa. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do you understand from the Word of God that God instructs you as a Christian to pray for those in leadership? The, the higher powers that are ordained of God, that God establishes, Folks, look, we may not always approve, but understand, nothing happens unless God allows it to happen. Everything is father-filtered. Now, this morning, we're looking at the passage, and in the direct passage this morning, guess who the leader was? Asa. And in this church, God's given me an opportunity to help to lead the flock of God. But understand this morning that God wants all of us to be leaders in our homes, on our jobs. In many areas of life, God wants you to lead. I don't know what's at your home. I don't know what's at your work. I don't know what you deal with, but can I tell you, because you're living in the United States of America, I have a pretty good idea. I have a pretty good idea where this nation has come, gone to. And what's it going to take? Godly leaders. Now look what the Bible says here. Go back to verse number 8 of our passage. The Bible says, When Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took what? Doesn't say he took off. Doesn't say he took his sword. Doesn't say he pointed his finger at somebody else. It says he took courage. Now look at the verse. The Bible says he took courage and he put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from, the, from Mount Ephraim and he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Now I want you to see because this man, Asa, took courage. God gave him the strength to make some necessary changes. Right now, there's an open opening in the U.S. Supreme Court. You ought to be praying about who's going to fill that vacancy. Say, we don't even get to vote. doesn't matter. You ought to bombard heaven and say, God, put somebody in there that's a Christian, that's got courage, 
that will stand for you in this wicked day. Folks, we've got to see that there are some changes that need to take place in this land if we're ever going to get back to God's blessings on our nation. And I want you to see what he did. Look at this. Because he was a godly leader, he took courage. Notice what, first of all, he did. The Bible says he removed the idols. What is an idol? Anything that takes your focus and my focus off of God, whatever it is. Do you know what it was that led Israel into captivity? The sin of idolatry. Do you know what is hurting America the most today? The sin of idolatry. There's many different idols in our land. There's many things that have taken our focus off of God. Look what it says here, how he, he took away those abominable. Look at the word that God uses, abominable idols. What's an abominable idol? You know what the word means? It means pollution, defilement, unclean, detestable. Things that God says ought not to be in our lives or in our land. And that's what Asa did. God gave him the courage to remove the idols, but then look at secondly, he renovated the house of worship. The Bible says he renewed the altar. Isn't it interesting? I love studying the book of Ezra because the same thing happens there in the book of Ezra that the temple had been destroyed, but before they built the walls of that temple, you know what they did? They reestablished the altar. You know what the altar is today? It's not those couple steps right here in the front of the platform. It's what's beating inside your chest. It's your heart. That's exactly what Asa did. He renewed the altar. See, he removed what was wrong, but then he restored what was right. Asa saw the, the pollution and he began to renovate. He began to dedicate it to God. He actually enlarged the place of, of, of sacrifice, the altar where they could come and worship God. But look at verse number 9. Look at the third thing that he did is God gave him courage the Bible says he gathered together all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of, the, out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. And they, they, they fell to him of Israel uh, in abundance. And when they saw that the Lord his God was with him, here's what he did. Thirdly, he reunited the people. I mean, he gathered them together. He says, hey, listen, let's get back to worshiping God today. Everybody and their brother is doing everything they can to avoid assembling themselves together. Churches are empty. They're closing their doors. People say, I can worship God anywhere. That may be true. But there is something in the Bible that says that Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for the church. There is something that says he purchased the church with his own precious blood. There is something that says, assemble yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Understand this morning how important it is for us to be a people, instead of being divided, we're a people united. The United States of America. You see, he renovated the house of worship, he removed the idols, he reunited the people, but God gave him courage to do one more thing. And this is so important, because the last thing that I see is that 
He restored authentic worship. So many things today under the banner of worship. Folks, can I tell you that worship, genuine worship, is to be focusing on God and not on ourselves. That's what Asa did. He turned their hearts back to God. He turned their hearts back to what was important instead of that which is materialism. What a great message for us today. We who are a country in need, how that there is, needs to be this relationship, not between us and one another, but there needs to be relationship between us and Jesus because Jesus is still the answer for our land. And the only thing that will heal our land is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then. How many of you want there to be a then? I want to see our land be healed. I want to see God's blessings, but God will not forgive. God will not heal our land unless he hears from us. We must admit, we must repent of the sin in our lives. We are a nation in need of God's blessings, but we must meet God's conditions. And if we don't meet God's conditions, we will pay the consequences for our sins. We are a nation in need of God's blessings. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed, I'm going to ask if you would just to stay still for a little bit. I want you just to reflect in your heart this morning. You might be here with family members. You might even be visiting today. But what's your relationship this morning with the Lord? Are you with Him? Have you had a time in your life that you have sought the Lord? Or you've seen the turmoil, the chaos, the conflict, the corruption in your life. Can you look back somewhere in your life to a time, maybe a place, that you realized that you were a sinner, that Christ died for your sins? This morning, as a testimony of that decision that you made, how many of you, with God looking down from heaven this morning, can say in all honesty, I know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven because I've trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Can you slip your hand up this morning? I'm saved and I know it. That's a wonderful sight. You can put your hands down. If you're here this morning and you could not raise your hand, this morning God has you here for a reason. God so loved the world that includes you, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He didn't say believe in a religious system, a church, some person. The only person that can save you is the Lord Jesus. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're not saved this morning, Jesus died that you might have liberty.
that you might have freedom. Because if you're not saved this morning, you're a slave to sin. And God wants to set you free. I wonder this morning, no one's looking around, but I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we'll have what is known as an invitation. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, or maybe you're not sure and you'd like to know how you can have a home in heaven someday. I'm going to have a word of prayer in just a minute, but I'd like to pray for you. I won't know your name. I won't call you out, but I'd like to include you in prayer. I wonder if you would this morning, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me that I would know for sure I need to be saved. I'm just not sure. I've never settled it. I've had some questions. I've doubted. And this morning, I want to settle it. Just slip your hand up. You can put it up and put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning, be honest with the Lord. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning, not sure that you're saved. Anyone else at all, you can put your hand up and put it right back down. Lord, I pray that you would just be with this one, and there may be others, that raised her hand, that she's not sure. Lord, I pray today that she would settle that, that there are others that don't know for sure. I thank you that she came this morning. I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us as your children. Lord, we, we don't, we don't want your wrath to be poured out upon this land. And we have no one to blame but ourselves unless we're doing everything in our, our ability with your help, God, as Asa did. Lord, give us courage to take a stand in our day. Lord, I pray that you would bless our land. Help us to meet your conditions. Bless this invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?